Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened this week, so you can keep your finger on the pulse. Whether you're on your way to work, at the gym, or wherever and whenever you have the time to get updated. So, are you ready? Let's get into it. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results. Hello everyone and welcome back for another episode as usual. I'm joined by the main man himself, Josh Gilbert. Josh, how's it going? I'm keeping well, Sam. I'm keeping well. How are you? Yeah, yeah. All good. All good over here. Uh, how's your week been? Uh, anything interesting? Unfortunately, nothing too interesting to report <laughs> uh, this week. Just, you know, back on the grind, working away, just really getting into markets this week. So oh, yeah. love it. Absolutely love <laughs> it. Live and breathe it. That's what we want to hear. Absolutely. Um, I, on uh, on Monday, I was with Chris Robshaw for any rugby fans out there. Uh, look out for that episode that's coming soon we talked about rugby investing he does a bit of that whether that be wine or suit shops or coffee shops uh, and a few interesting stories along the way so look out for that we've also got the latest and first I should say BTC ETC episode via digest and invest uh, which is available on our podcast and if you listen to this you may have already heard it but give that a listen if you're interested about it another headline or two the S&P 500 has reached correction which is 10% from the most recent peak uh, and also as we're actually recording this filming this on November the 1st that means October is done and 2023 is the ninth year since 1928 that the S&P 500 fell in August September and october only the ninth year that ever happened crazy uh 1990 and 2016 were the last two times that it happened and november 1990 saw a game of gain of nearly six percent and november 2016 saw a gain of 3.42 percent so hopefully judging off history november is going to be a little bit easier uh we wouldn't mind that would we uh anyway to discuss topics this week josh will go apple We'll go gold uh, and we'll talk about central banks as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Apple's probably the big name there that's going to dominate the week, but those central banks, some big ones coming through this week as well. And uh, a little old gold just sort of poking its head up in recent weeks as well. Yeah, yeah. Some interesting topics. I mean, first then we'll go Apple, biggest company in the world, give or take. It's it's about 30% year to date, 220% over a five-year period. So investors are happy. Uh, even if they've just been in the market this year, but for a five-year return of two twenty, you, you, you're buzzing with that. You really are. Uh, most S and P five hundred companies so far have beaten expectations so far this earnings season. But if you do miss, you're punished. Uh, so Apple investors will be wary of this happening. And uh, after seeing what's happened to other top ten companies who have just missed results, you know they're looking to avoid that. Uh, also. From a technical standpoint, Apple at some point last week closed below the 200 daily moving average for the first time since March. And and when it's been below that moving average, it's acted as a real resistance and struggled to get above 
for a, for a significant period. So I think that's important to note. Uh, when we talk about the earnings report, uh, which is coming out later this week, what are we what are we really focusing on here? Well, if history is anything to go by, then we can probably expect Apple to deliver. Uh, they usually do. They've only failed to meet earnings estimates once in the past 20 quarters. So once in the far, past five years. So um, yeah, they're, 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 they're used to delivering for investors and investors are used to being pleased as well. But I think what we're seeing with the recent sell-off, you mentioned S&P 500 into correction territory there, the sell-off across big tech names. I think it makes this report a little bit more important than usual. Um, shares are down 13% in the last three months. And also when we throw in there, you, again, you mentioned Apple's size, biggest company in the world. That market weight means that it can really have a big impact on the broader market, um, lift sentiment a little bit and give a bit of a boost, you know, to markets, which is is much needed. What to watch? Well, you know, firstly, it's going to be hardware. You know, this is where the bulk of revenue comes from and how we really know Apple to make its money, iPhones, iPads, uh, Macs, etc. The big one here is going to be the demand for the iPhone 15. That's going to dominate the earnings call. And maybe it's going to be key with the market expecting to see demand for other products decline from a year ago. So we could see some significant declines across the sort of across the Macs and across the iPads. So we really need iPhone to sort of step up. We're also going to get some really important metrics from China. It's a market that we've spoken about quite a lot on the podcast. If you yep. haven't listened before, it is an economy that is struggling. Um, you know, consumers are, you know, are unwilling to spend. Uh, they are really sort of trying to get out a bit of a hole at the moment. They're struggling, still seeing, you know, economic growth, uh, some of the fastest in the world, but you know, is is not where they would like it to be. And, and that sort of growth target is coming down. And, and, and the reason why that's important is because China is a key market for Apple and there may potentially be a slowdown in sales in the region. Huawei has just launched a new Mate 60 series phone and that is proving to be very strong competition in the region. And I've read a couple of different reports over the last couple of weeks, some saying that Huawei, you know, don't have the chip facilities to be able to meet the demand and iPhone will then come through. But also on the other hand of that, that iPhone is losing a little bit of ground and that sales haven't been as strong as you know many would have expected. So if that is the case, then we could be set up there for a little bit of disappointment on the iPhone side, which if we get that will you know impact the overall report completely because that's again the 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 dominant revenue driver but then we have services and services revenue has been the bright spot in recent quarters it's got the fastest growth for apple um it's the only segment that's that's actually growing uh, they're expected to show growth of 11% year over year and that's going to be well ahead of other segments as i say uh, not only is it the highest growing segment, it's also the segment with the highest margins for the business as well. So super important, right? Because this is the the highest, the most profitable part of, of the business effectively in terms of, um, you know, margins. And why is that so important? Well, it has over 1 billion paying subscribers. Yep, 1 billion, 1 billion paid subscribers for their services, which is just an astronomical number. 
And to put that even more in in sort of perspective is that's recurring revenue every single month. And that number just simply can't be underestimated. And it's just why Apple is the biggest company in the world. A billion people recurring payments every single month. And and that is, you know, those subscriptions of, um, you know, Apple Music, Apple TV. You know, we're, we're going to be seeing more from Apple Pay in the future and just all of these products that they they sort of simply have. But Again, that segment going to be the fastest growing, but it's worth watching here for maybe any weakness because, you know, we're, we're seeing that consumers are pulling back in some areas. Retail sales in the US were stronger than expected in the last sort of week or two. Um, retail sales here in Australia this week, again, were also pretty resilient. So keep an eye on that. But, you know, I would say for, for now that that should sort of probably hold up. Um, of course, AI, it's going to be in focus again. It has been across all major tech names. But so far, Apple has actually kept its sort of AI cards pretty close to its chest. But what I want to see here is is sort of, you know, a few more details. You know, we've got names like Microsoft. They're reporting success with their AI ventures. They're reporting, you know, monetization from this. So I want to hear a bit more from Apple. Like I said, they've, they've kept those cards close. But let's hear a bit more. Let's hear. You know, let's get the market excited about what you're sort of bringing through. Um, just the key numbers: revenue expected to be in just over eighty nine billion, earnings per share of around a dollar thirty nine. So those are the key numbers. Takeaways: services revenue to be the fastest growing. Keep an eye for any weakness on iPhone demand, uh, and of course, let's hear a little bit about AI on the earnings call. Yeah, what a big one. What a big one. Coming out Thursday after market close. So for those in the UK, that'd be after. Well, actually, hang on. The clocks have changed. So this would be now after eight or after 10. I'm going for eight, but you're going to have to double check that yourselves. The clocks change everything for two weeks. It's all chaos. Uh, Other companies reporting this week that haven't already by the time you'd be listening to this. You've got PayPal after the close on Wednesday, Roku, Qualcomm, Airbnb, Etsy, all big, big companies. Then before the open tomorrow, you've got Palantir, Shopify, Eli Lilly, Novo Nordisk, Moderna, Crocs as well, and ConocoPhillips, you know, all, all reporting. Then, as we mentioned, Apple after there as well, Carvana, DraftKings, Starbucks will be worth keeping an eye on there as well. Really, really big, big companies. And, and actually, I was just looking at Apple share price just while you were talking there josh and it's literally closed right on the 200 day moving average so you want a guide to see how well or bad this earnings report goes keep a watch on that 170 dollars per share i'm already excited about what's going to happen there uh, our next subject today is gold always believe in your soul and back in the middle of may trading uh at uh two thousand dollars back in the the middle of may um and and now at the end of october it's also there as well so obviously that doesn't tell the whole story Uh, and in fact at the beginning of october uh, we were trading low 1800s before rising just over about 10 percent since then uh how are you seeing this josh reasons behind this favorite direction for travel i guess if someone bought gold uh a month ago they're happy right now uh if they bought it in may they're sitting there exactly where they got in so uh it does depend but uh how are you feeling about it yeah well it's it's proven to be the go- go-to safe haven hasn't it? it you know proving it once and once again it always seems to do this whenever we have that sort of you know uncertainty in, in sort of markets and it mm-hmm. comes from what is obviously rising geopolitical uncertainty rising yields higher oil prices and, and obviously 
you know, stock markets that have sort of been put into reverse because of those things that we've sort of mentioned there. But, you know, gold is, is sort of really being the the asset that, that investors turn to. And and we rose back above that $2,000 an ounce um, that you mentioned, Sam, you know, just at the end of, of October, slightly pulled back off that uh, today. But it has outpaced sort of the, the other traditional safe havens, like, say, for example, the US dollar that we get as well. But it's you know still up year to date, gains around nine percent, makes it one of the best performing commodities this year, just behind the likes of of sort of iron ore. Um, and I think you know what's important here is that uncertainty from say e- economic policy. We've got a lot of it. We're going to talk about central banks in a minute and geopolitical risks. That seems to be something that feels like the new normal. And I think we could see you know a bit of a renewed demand for gold um as that proven safe haven i think maybe the modern investor uh, doesn't necessarily potentially have a place for gold uh in in their sort of portfolio maybe uh us millennials maybe see it as a little bit more you know of a boring asset but <laughs> it always does prove to to sort of be an asset that does perform you know well and, and this comes back to having that diversified portfolio and and making sure you're not sort of overexposed to sort of too many asset classes in terms of you know why else we're here and, and what else it means well the rising gold prices have, have meant good news for for sort of gold miners as well so let's not forget about them yeah uh, specifically on the ASX 200 we've got a lot of exposure here in Australia to miners um plenty of it if you ever uh, in Australia, and you fly over Perth, you'll just see mine after mine after mine. It's it's pretty surreal, actually. It's just where they've just explored, you know, dug massive holes in the ground and then just sort of left it. It's a little bit strange. Yeah, but imagine. the the top five best performing companies in October on the ASX 200 were all gold miners, and they all gained more than 15% apiece. And that was a pretty stark contrast to sort of what we've seen from the broader market, in which we saw the ASX down by about 3.8%. It was the worst month of the year so again it's not just gold that is obviously you know doing well obviously gold is obviously supporting the the sort of the gold miners but there is opportunities elsewhere um for you know investors outside of just specific gold why have we seen such big gains this year well a lot of it is supported by record levels of buying from central banks year-to-date central bank buying of gold is at 14 percent on 2022 mm-hmm. and 2022 was a record year of central bank buying so already well above that in the first nine months of the year so far they've bought a, a net 800 tons of gold so far this year again like i say record uh in a nine-month period so the first nine months of the year we've never seen more than that in history China leading the way. Um, they've taken their gold weight in its um, three trillion FX reserves to over four percent. So they've bought about twenty percent of those eight hundred tons so far this year. So huge, huge numbers coming from central banks. You know, this is coming from them wanting to hedge against inflation and take a bit of reliance away from sort of the, the sort of the US dollar. Despite all of this, and I found this super, super interesting today. Gold ETFs have seen year-to-date outflows. Mm. The SPDR Gold, which is the biggest gold ETF in the world, uh, ticker GLD, seen three billion US dollars in outflows this year. So central banks are buying 
at record levels never seen before gold's moving in the right direction but retail investors are sort of sticking in reverse and saying no we don't want gold that can be for a number of reasons right we had a huge start to the year you had you know the nasdaq up 40 percent in the first six months of the year I, I stand to be corrected but i'm pretty sure it was that and that is i think why we've seen huge outflows there because you know, you're turning from an asset that didn't do very well in the start of the year to, say, the Nasdaq, which is, you know, getting you 40%. And I'm not sure we saw, you know, a lot of that capital flow back into it. So I think, again, a lot of that probably came from the start of the year. But it is still really interesting to see that in the first nine months of the year, you know, central banks are, are buying heavily, but we're not seeing it from investors. Uh, but yeah, central banks really leading the way. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... Just again, looking at the chart while you're talking there, it hit that $2,000 an ounce level and it's come off a tiny bit as as it would, to be honest. It's, it's almost like we were saying if you bought at the beginning of October, you make 10%, you hit resistance, you hit the psychological handle. Okay, yeah, let me take a bit off the table. Uh, and if you take a little bit of the table, you start selling, other people start selling and it moves a little bit lower. Uh, can it get above those highs? Let's call cool, that 250, 60, 270, 2070, I should say. Uh, if that happens, then maybe we can push a little bit uh, higher. But yeah, good run. Uh, and actually, the the low that we had in October was pretty much exactly the low that we had in March this year. Uh, it turned out that the, the then the summer or the uh, 2023 high in May was at 2066. So that's another level to to keep an eye on. But yeah, um, good October for gold. Just having a quick look at the October from the S&P 500 some of the companies microsoft finished up seven percent good earnings nvidia uh still hasn't had its earnings if i'm correct down 6.25 google mixed that's down five percent meta is flat uh amazon up 4.6 uh but it's a mixed month mostly red uh we'll be hoping for for better things to come but yeah definitely worth keeping an eye on on gold uh, and also those those companies that relate to it as well yeah, absolutely. And I guess a big part of hopefully seeing a, a more positive November is obviously going to come from from central banks as well. It doesn't get much bigger than than this week as well. What are we looking at, Sam? Who's talking? I think we've got three or four huge names sort of coming yeah. through this week. What can we expect? What's going to be happening? It's a busy one. It's a busy one. I'd like to think, like what you said at the beginning of the uh of the podcast that apple is going to be the most important thing and that would be great because if that is the case then the central bank meetings were just like okay we expected what was going to happen there's no real market move if you're reading reports at the end of the week that the market moved xyz because of the fed or the bank of england or the bank of japan then you're probably a little bit worried um key policy announcements expected uh we'll start off with the the fomc who are widely uh, expected and anticipated to maintain interest rates, which uh, for those that don't know, the current range is 5.25% to 5.5%. Look, it's very unlikely they're gonna, they are going to change it. But if they were to, you're going to take that as a bit of a shock. You can imagine equity is going to come under a bit of pressure. You're going to imagine that the dollar is going to strengthen. And actually just talking about gold, you're imagining that's going to come lower as well due to the dollar strength. Uh, so that's just something just to think about there. The focus really, though, is going to be on their guidance for the December meeting. Uh, many believe the Fed is done with rate hikes, uh, aiming to let prior 
tightening measures work through the economy. However, a resurgence in economic growth in quarter three has really kept that hike on the table for December. So it's, 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 you know, it's, there's still a percentage chance, which I'm sure we can talk about uh, a little bit later. So not expecting a hike this time. Any comments about future ones really to keep an eye on? Dovish voices suggest that rate cuts won't occur until late next year. It wasn't too long ago, Josh, that we were talking about the early part of the year. So that's really been pushed back. And it's true. The data in the last month, month and a bit, has been really strong. It really has. Um, turning to the Bank of England then, who, you know, I was speaking with with someone the other day and then I spoke to Ben about it and I was saying, we, I wonder if we should start thinking about the Bank of England actually being the first to cut rates. Now, if we go back to COVID and then central banks, uh, obviously they're going very, very loose, cutting rates and then uh, getting to the point where they were raising rates, the Bank of England were actually the first major central bank to raise rates it seems like they've been doing it forever and now it now there is an argument that they're actually going to be the first to cut don't expect that this time though uh, as well we're looking at rates looking for rates to stay unchanged 90 percent market prob- probability uh, and remember markets move the most when things happen that aren't expected so if we are to get a rate hike then you're going to see obviously a you know a, a flurry of pound strength whether that lasts or not is up for debate but you would see the the pound strengthen you'd probably see the FTSE come under a little bit of pressure as well if we were to see a rate cut which is as close to impossible as you'd imagine then yeah the pound is going to weaken quite a lot um September meeting let's just rewind a little bit they decided to pause there as well uh primarily due to cooler than expected CPI data which we had in August uh while September's release showed stable headline inflation a potential drop in price pressures anticipated in the october release due to favorable annual comparisons uh the bank of england remains cautious about its data due to due to those collection issues um but there's been no real hawkish development since the last meetings and i think policymakers the mpc are expected to keep things as they were in september keep rates unchanged and then it's all about the you know the policy statement do they mention anything about future tightening anything about future inflation worries uh economists we mentioned for the fed that we're looking at the back end of uh next year economists don't see a rate cut from the bank of england to at least july so that is actually sooner so we are now actually thinking they're going to do it sooner maybe than the fomc uh inflation is expected to return to target levels uh quarter to 2025 uh, and the growth outlook suggests a weak recovery in 2024 uh, with annual growth projected at just 0.4 percent elsewhere we've already had the bank of japan Um, anyone that's trades the dollar yen or looks at the dollar yen you'd have seen it went up so dollar strength or japanese yen weakness so they had their meeting on tuesday they adjusted their bond yield control policy which allows long-term interest rates to rise while maintaining ultra low interest rates the bank of japan also raised price forecasts they anticipate inflation exceeding its two percent target signaling a potential uh, shift away from its super loose policy albeit not hawkish enough to send the yen higher Uh, It actually made it weaker. Uh, Despite these changes, the Bank of Japan maintained its minus 0.1 short-term interest rate target and a 0% 10-year government bond yield target. 
Uh, economists anticipate a gradual dismantling of the Bank of Japan's yield control policy and negative rates, depending, though, on economic and price developments. Uh, and as I mentioned, we're not too far away from multi-year highs now for the dollar yen, which is uh, which is what we saw last year. So keep a watch on that. If you if you're trading it, if you're looking at it, maybe a little bit underwhelming. FOMC Wednesday, Bank of England Thursday, and that will really wrap up along with Apple super busy week yeah massive week especially for those sort of two central banks as well and it was interesting you mentioned about sort of the bank of england because you know it is going to be maybe who is going to cut first because uh, you know for a while there it looked like it was going to be the rba four pauses in a row inflation moving in the right direction you know everything was sort of coming together you had a hot inflation print the week before last we had a retail sales print this week that was hot and you got an unemployment print as well about a week ago that also fell again 3.6% from 3.7 we've now got a 90% chance or sorry about an 80 90% chance we see another hike by the end of the year and a 60% chance they hike again next week mm. and the conversation has now turned to how many more so it's yeah. gone from when are we cutting to okay we maybe still got two more hikes in the tank and i don't think there are many other central banks around the world that are still considering hiking at least twice. Uh, so, you know, the, the RBA are in a bit of a sticky situation there. But, you know, as you say, broad expectation, Fed going to sort of stay on hold, you know, makes it something of a bit of a non-event this week. Yeah. But turns to the statement, Jerome Powell's speech, uh, markets only expect a 20% chance of a hike in December. So, again, it really depends on on obviously his comments and, and what we hear afterwards. But I think we maybe turn instead to some of the data, jobless claims this week, non-farm payrolls later in the week. That could move the dial for that sort of 20% chance to go higher if it comes in hot. And how hot was that GDP reading as well last week? So it just shows that the economy can handle another hike if they want to hand down a you know another insurance hike just to be safe. Yeah, I'm just having a quick look at the, uh, the Fed watch tool the next few meetings uh so november as in today 99.7 chance of no change okay december and i'll just read the the most uh the highest probability uh no change 72 percent for december meeting highest percentage in january 62 percent no change 20th of march 58 percent no change so it's getting closer to something actually happening there uh, in May, 48% no chance. And then it's in July where we go 51% chance of easing. So the market may be thinking June, July, September. We've been told end of next year. So something's got to give. Uh, and I'm sure as we get to December the 13th, it's going to be a lot more balanced than you know 80-20 or 70-30, which is kind of what we're seeing now. So yeah, uh, busy week. But you know December, that first part of December, really, I, I guess to the week, of the 13th you know it's going to be busy too but uh as usual josh thanks for for joining we'll be back next week we will thanks everyone and see you next week take care everyone trade safe you have been listening to digest and invest by etoro for more information use etoro.com